Amen. Let's see your Bibles, please. Turn to Genesis chapter 2 this morning. Genesis chapter 2. I, the Lord has laid upon my heart to do a, a series for a few weeks anyway, created for a purpose. Created for a purpose. And uh, just that statement alone, and uh, we will set out in the next several weeks to prove different things that we are created for. Uh, but just in that statement alone, it's just such a wonderful blessing to know that we are just not some accident. We are not just the result of some cosmic burp that happened billions and billions of years ago, but there is a God who loves us, who created us, and put a purpose into our lives. And not only did he uh, create us for a purpose, he redeemed us for a purpose. And so we're, we're so thankful for that. But let's look this morning at Genesis chapter 2. Before we start, I'll, I'm going to mention a couple prayer requests. I don't think Brother Paul is aware of one of them yet, so he will miss out on sharing that at the end of the service. But there's two surgeries tomorrow, if you could pray for them. Pray, all, first of all, for um, Brother Rick Wiersma, who's having prostate surgery tomorrow. He has cancer, and uh, he's having surgery tomorrow, and it came up rather quickly. He'd been waiting, waiting, and then all of a sudden they said, come Monday. And so he just found that out last week. So be in prayer for him as he goes for surgery uh, tomorrow. My wife and I are going to slip by this afternoon, have some prayer with them and uh, try to encourage them a little bit. And then also, uh, Pastor Phil Clayton, and Brother Clayton came to Baptist Bible College Canada here and was part of the ministries here, uh, went in for an uh, an angiogram on Friday, and they wouldn't let him leave. And so tomorrow he has to have quadruple bypass. And so he tried to talk them out of it, but they said, no, if you were my father or my brother, surgery. And so he's having quadruple bypass tomorrow. And uh, it's, it's interesting what the Lord does um, with, with situations like this, probably um, Brother Clayton's probably two closest friends in the ministry are Brother Al Stone and me. We, the three of us kind of, we always got together for meals when we were in Southern Ontario and tried to, tried to fellowship. And, and Brother Stone is preaching one hour uh, from where Brother Clayton is and was able to spend yesterday at the hospital with him. And then we were planning to go this week to see our daughter, Emily, who her husband is the assistant pastor at that church. And so we're going to go tomorrow and sit with Sharon for the surgery and be with there too. So praise the Lord. The Lord works those things out. And uh, I, I, I'm not saying I'm an answer to prayer by any means, but I'm just saying that I just, I just feel like that the Lord puts something in our path and we can do something and, and be a, try to be a help and encouragement. God knows what he's doing. Amen. And so we praise the Lord for the opportunity to go down and see Matt and Emily, and we have a little side trip there to the hospital involved as well. So pray for them as they have surgery tomorrow, both of them, and um, I know that they would appreciate that so very much. Well, let's, let's look this morning at Genesis chapter 2. We're talking about being created for a purpose, but I, I, I want to preach a message this morning that will probably smack more of teaching than preaching, but, and, and I'll also add this, it's not something I would normally preach on a Sunday morning. I don't know that I would do that normally, but the Lord just burdened my heart. Um, we have a larger crowd Sunday mornings, and there's some things I want to encourage you in as, as we are now moving forward. Um, by the way, the ministries of Bethel Baptist Church are 100% open. Praise the Lord. Uh, we are doing everything that we did three years ago, two years ago, whatever. Everything is 100% open, unfettered, and we are thankful for it. The buses are on the road. Our ministries are open. And I want to encourage you that as things begin to open up in, in, in particular ways, uh, one of the things that we have missed over the last couple of years is fellowship. Would you agree with that? And even when, even when we could do certain things, 
People that, that were maybe struggling with their own health were hesitant to go places, hesitant to do things. And, and I understand that. And I want to encourage you today to show you how important fellowship is. We were created for fellowship. And it goes right back to Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to look there this morning. So turn there, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And um, I say this with as, and when, I, when I say these kind of things, I really do mean them, and I really do intend to keep it. I'm going to be as short as possible. Because at the end, I want to challenge you with a practical thing. I want to give you just a short practical application after we've looked at the scripture. So I'm going to try to get through this quickly. I, I say that because I don't want to scare you. Um, I mean, it only feels like 10 o'clock, so you're not even going to get hungry if I preach for a couple hours, all right? So, uh, so everybody says, do you miss that hour of sleep? That doesn't bother me. I woke my eyes, woke up at 6.30 this morning. It doesn't bother me to sleep. But when we do the fall one and you get the extra hour and I'm preaching at 12.15, I am starving. That's the one I don't like. It's, it's not about sleep for me, it's about food for me. And so, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Look there with me, if you will, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. By the way, help meet is two words. We often refer to somebody, well, this is my help me. That is not a single word. The word means help me or a help that is perfectly suited. That's what it means, suited for you. If God has given you a good wife or a good husband, they are suited for you. They are meat for you. The Bible uses that in the New Testament, that we might be vessels that are meat for the master's use. So suited for that purpose. So he says, let's make a help meet or a help, somebody that is perfectly suited for Adam. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of the ribs one of his ribs enclosed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked, and the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for bringing us to this place today. And Lord, we look throughout our crowd and we know that some missed the time change. We can see that, those that would normally be here. I pray, Lord, that perhaps they woke up and shook off the cobwebs and are now tuning in online and listening as we fellowship together. We pray, Lord, that you would help all of us, both here and online, to receive from the Word of God. May the Spirit of God transcend not just this place, but go into their homes and in their hearts and speak to them. And Lord, help each one of us in this place gather together as our local church, Lord, to receive from the Word of God. Lord, if that's to happen, we desperately need your Spirit. And we must surrender to Him. I pray, Lord, that each one of us right now would humble ourselves and cleanse our hearts of sin by coming to the Savior and confessing them. And Father, Lord, that the Spirit of God may have his perfect work in our lives. 
Lord, may all the power today be of you and not of any man. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, most of us are very familiar with the story of creation, aren't we? God created all that there was in six days. And, uh, you know, I, I was just kind of sitting up here while Judy was singing and just mulling over the thoughts in my head about the message this morning. And I, I looked out and I saw these children and I think, what are they getting in the schools? What are their minds being filled with, with evolution in billions and billions of years? Somebody said this, that when you hear somebody start a sentence with billions and billions of years ago, they might as well say once upon a time because a fairy tale is about to happen. Here's how the Bible starts, in the beginning God. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible says on the first day he separated the water and the firmament. On the second he made, uh, put uh, plants and trees. And third, uh, he grew vegetation. On the fourth, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And on and on we go. And on the sixth day, God created man. One of the things we know about this place was it was called Eden. Eden was not just the garden, it was an area. The Bible says later that Cain, would, uh, Adam and Eve, by the way, were expelled from the garden, but they still dwelt in Eden. The Bible says that Cain was driven out of Eden to the land of Nod. And so Eden was an area. The word Eden, it, it talks about perfection. It talks about a place of peace. The word literally means pleasure. Think about that. God created a place that he said, this is called pleasure. And in that place, Eden, he planted a garden. The garden, what we have come to know as the Garden of Eden. Eden was a place of paradise. The Bible says that every tree that bore fruit grew there in that garden. Think about that. You didn't have to go to Florida to get oranges. You didn't have to go somewhere else to get pears or apples or peaches. Everything you can imagine was in that garden. The Bible says not only that, but all the herb-bearing seeds were in that garden. And so uh, they could create or grow anything they wanted, any vegetable, any fruit, any, anything that was pleasing to Adam and Eve. They were, uh, it was available at their fingertips, and that God just supplied for them in such a wonderful place. This place called pleasure, this place called paradise, was such a wonderful, wonderful thing. And not only that, God talked with Adam, and Adam talked with God. Perfect fellowship. And yet, God realized Adam was missing something. He needed fellowship. Now, it didn't take long for God to realize this. And and by the way, God didn't realize anything. God always knew it. But it didn't take long at all for it to become apparent in Adam's life that it was time to give him a helpmate. You say, when did this take place? It took place on the very same day Adam was created. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2 that Adam was in the garden and animals were brought to him. And he's naming these animals, but there was not found a helpmeet for him. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, you will find that the Bible says that God created Adam and Eve. And that was day 6. I don't know if Adam was created in the morning and by noon he was already bored, not having a wife. I'm not sure how long it took, whether it was 12 hours or 14 hours or 16 hours, or maybe it was supper time. That would make sense for a lot of us men, wouldn't it? But whatever it was, God says it's time. He needs fellowship. And he doesn't 
just need the fellowship that I can offer him. He needs flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. He needs fellowship. In this, we see three principles. Maybe, maybe there's more, but I, I want to just show you three principles today about biblical fellowship. And then we're going to look in the New Testament and see if those bear out to the New Testament believer. Do we need the same fellowship that Adam required? Now notice, notice some things we see here. First of all, his fellowship, the fellowship that Eve gave to Adam, it provided communion. It was fellowship that provided communion. Notice verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Now, I could have chosen the word companionship. But communion is a deeper, more intimate companionship. It's a fellowship that takes place in the lives of people that are intimately connected. And I think you would agree with me that Adam and Eve were intimately connected. They were husband and wife, and, and God had given her to him as a very special gift. And it was something that God would use in their lives to be a model for the rest of creation. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ said, talking about marriages from the beginning, it was not so. He's referring back to Adam and Eve. In Ephesians chapter 5, we talk about husbands and wives. And the Bible says that the, the husband is to leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. And husbands are to love their wives. And in that passage, it refers all the way back to the Garden of Eden. This was the model fellowship. The modern, model uh, union. And so we see that, first of all, she was to provide communion for him. It is not good that man should be alone. Secondly, we see that fellowship... That proved complementary. Fellowship that proved complementary. Look back in chapter 1. Just turn back a page and look at verse 28 with me. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. You can jump down to verse 31 and you see that God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good in the evening and the morning or the sixth day. So it's still that sixth day but one of the purposes that Adam and Eve could only fulfill together is to have children. She was to be complementary to him. You understand Adam could not have children by himself. You understand that right? Years ago uh, our daughter Emily we, we were trying to train her in her thinking a certain way. And Emily always loved babies. Loved babies. She'd always have a baby in her arms wherever we were at the church. And, and one day she said to, to my wife, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have lots of babies when I get older. My mo wife wanted to train her a little bit. He says, well, you know, in order to have babies, you, you need to be married. Somebody say Amen. And it's sad that that's not the case anymore, is it? But we're just trying to put that in her little mind, seven years old, whatever she was. You need to be married before you have a baby. So she came to us just a short time after that. We were having supper, and, and she says, well, she says, I've got a plan. And we said, what's that? She says, I'm going to get married on a, on a cliff overlooking an ocean. And she says, as soon as we say I do... She says, I'm pushing them off the cliff, then I can have all the babies I want. She didn't understand. You understand what I'm saying. 
that you have to be complimentary. A little while later, she came back and she says, I've, I've rethought that plan, Daddy. And I said, good. She says, I'm going to get married on a cliff. I'm going to take his wallet. Then I'm pushing him off. Yeah. Some days I wish she'd kept that promise. but <laughs> So anyway. But a husband and wife are complimentary. I have never yet heard an evolutionist explain to me how a man over billions and billions of years evolved to be a man and yet found a wife that evolved perfectly and simultaneously right beside him. Because you understand if a man evolves in New Zealand and his wife evolves in North America, they're not finding each other. How does that happen? Can I say this? I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith to believe in evolution. It's crazy. And yet they believe they popped up and they made every, every change that they would ever make right at the same time in order to reproduce for another billion years and then they'd make another evolutionary leap and then they'd reproduce. Come on. God created Eve to be complementary to Adam in every way. Here's the third test of fellowship. The third, third test of fellowship. We see the fellowship, it provided communion. Secondly, it proved complementary. Three, it was fellowship that provided a co-laborer. A co-laborer. In verse 20 of chapter 2, Adam is, is on, the first, on, on the day six of creation. God is bringing these animals to Adam, and he's naming. There's a lion, there's a tiger, there's a giraffe, and he's naming these animals, and God says, there's no help meet for him. There's nobody here to help him. That's a big, I've given him a lot of responsibility. As a matter of fact, we, we know that Adam's job was to keep the garden and to till the ground. The Bible says a vegetation came on day three. And, and the Bible says, but the herb yielding seeds, listen, there was trees and there was fruit and there was grass and there was all these things. But the herb yielding seeds were not coming up yet. The Bible says that. Why? Because there was no man to till the ground. God says, I'm not, I'm not going to grow squash and everything until there's somebody there to eat it. But he needed help. I think we understand the principle that when we have the right kind of fellowship, we can get more work done. Can you imagine? There, there's so much things today. I'm trying to encourage some people uh, in ministry today. There's, we, we, have, we, we can come across Canada and there's probably 50 empty churches Churches without pastors. Brother Hilton preached that one last week that needs a pastor just 20 miles from here. And, 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 just, and then, yeah, we, we have church planters coming and planting a brand new church. I'm not against church planting. But when are we going to get together and co-labor? When are we going to start working smarter? And putting our efforts together and trying to see the cause of Christ furthered in Canada, we have 100 churches in an area with 20 people each. And they're struggling just to keep their doors open. Why can't we fellowship and co-labor together in the name of Christ? And so we see that the fellowship that provide a co-labor. So, well, does that bear out in the New Testament? Let's look at it quickly this morning. Our first point was that it was fellowship that provides communion. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 5 says this. I'm going to be turned to a passage in a moment. You go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Turn there this morning. We're going to see uh, an outline of Bible fellowship in the early church. 
But Philippians chapter 1, the Bible says, for your fellowship in the gospel. Paul says, I thank God every day for your fellowship in the gospel. Understand this, true Bible fellowship always must be centered around the gospel. You know, we got to be we got to be very careful with that. Sometimes churches throw out the gospel and then they throw their doors wide open and and get all kinds of sin coming in. We have a real problem. I just watched somebody just sent me a a baptismal video and it was a a church of some sort. I don't even know what it was and this this fellow got up and this lady came and she says he says, "Let's tell me your testimony while while you're uh while you're getting baptized today." And she says, "Well, I just I just really believe that God wants me to be an advocate for the animals on earth. And so she says, I am, I'm, uh, God is, I'm being baptized to be in union with God. And here's what she said, that I may have a company of angels that I'm in charge of to overwatch all the animals of God's creation. That is not the purpose you were created for. Understand? And when we just throw the doors open and we're not fellowshiped around the gospel... Now we have a problem. Now anything goes. So notice, notice in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and you're going to look down near the end of the chapter, we see the model of this first church. Remember the day of Pentecost and th- folks were getting saved, thousands were getting saved, and the Bible says they begin to do some things. Now, the book of Acts is not always a great book to find doctrine in. They were just starting out, and Peter was preaching, and Peter was doctrinally sound, and the apostles were doctrinally sound, but a lot of these churches were springing up fast. Later on, Paul puts some rules in place and refines the doctrines of the church. But in Acts chapter 2, we see a model here that is laid out before us, and he says in verse 42, and they, the early church, after they were baptized in verse 41, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. There's four things there. There's things that we are to rally around and fellowship around. And notice the first one is doctrine. Doctrine. I put it in my notes as core doctrine. Now, there are some doctrines of men that should not matter so much to us as they do. I heard the story not long ago of a fellow that got on an airplane and he was sitting beside the, uh, the next guy and he, they got talking and one began to witness to the other and he says, oh, I just, I'll stop you right now. I'm a saved man. I'm a Christian. Uh, he says, I go to a Baptist church. And the guy says, what kind of Baptist church? He says, I go to an independent Baptist church. He says, well, I go to an independent Baptist church. He says, well, I go to an independent fundamental Baptist church. He says, well, I go to an independent fundamental Baptist church. I go to an independent fundamental premillennial Baptist church. He says, well, I go to an independent fundamental premillennial Baptist church. He says, I go to an independent fundamental premillennial pre-tribulational rapture Baptist church. He says, I go to independent fundamental premillennial pre-tribulational rapture Baptist church. He says, well, I go to an independent fundamental Bible-believing premillennial pre-tribulational rapture separated Baptist church. The man said the same thing. He says, well, he says, I go to an independent, fundamental, soul-winning, separated, premillennial, pre-tribulational rapture church, and we use a wooden pulpit. He says, oh, he says, we use a plexiglass pulpit, and they never talk the rest of the trip. 
It's just a joke. You don't have to get all excited. But the truth is, that's how often we become fine in our doctrine. That's not doctrinal. That's not doctrinal. We have to stay to the core doctrines. Here, here's the thing. Sometimes we become so exclusive, we can become cultic. Sometimes we're so wide open that everything goes. We have to be balanced. You say, where are we balanced? We balance right here on this edge. Right there. That's the line we walk. God said it and we do it. And you say, well, that guy over there, pastor, he calls it Easter, but I've heard you call it Resurrection Sunday. So what? One man regards one day as holy, another... Hey, don't get all caught up in those things. Romans 14 tells you not to. Well, do you know what? At Christmas, they don't give their kids Christmas gifts. They don't celebrate Christmas. I don't have a scripture that says you ought to give your kids gifts. I have a scripture that says you ought to be good stewards with your money, though. Good night. Some, some people are spending thousands of bucks. We're, we're foolish. And there's a lost and dying world going to hell. We had to be careful. So let's, let's focus what he says in Acts 2.42. Number one, on core doctrine. Number two, I, I use the word church because he says fellowship. You know what church is, right? It's an assembly. It's people getting together and fellowshipping around those doctrines. Learning more about the word of God. Singing together praises to God. Learning and growing together. That's what church is. It's an assembly. It's a fellowship. And so we are to fellowship one with another. It helps us to grow. So we see, first of all, core doctrine. Number two, church. Number three, communion, the breaking of bread. That communion we talked about in, the, in Genesis was, was an intimacy, a fellowship together. And when we gather around the Lord's table, we have communion with the Lord an intimacy with him. We recall the body and the blood that was shed on our behalf. But friends, it's also communion one with another. It's fellowship. And then we see the last word, prayers. I put in my notes, communication with God. That's why we gather. That's where true Christian fellowship comes from is when we do those things together. Yesterday, the kids came here and they played laser tag. And Josh and I were joking on the car on the way home. I said, you know, there's nothing better than getting, going, getting all dressed up and going to church and shooting people. And we just laughed about that. But the truth is, they had a time in the Word of God. That's where the fellowship took part. There, there's fun that goes on in the gym. We have basketball nets and all those things. There's shuffleboard. There's, there's things. But fellowship comes when we get around the Word of God. When we fellowship around our doctrine and our, our prayer time and our communion and, and, and have that intimate fellowship one with another. So essentially, the early church had, had these things in common, a desire to learn and grow around God's word and share fellowship with one another. Listen, here's what 1 John 1, 7 says. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Boy, the Bible makes things so much simpler than we do, don't we? If you walk in the light, as Christ is in the light, you're going to have fellowship with one another as well because you're all in the light. Amen? Sometimes we make things so big and wide, and other times we make it so narrow. And we ought to, they're, they're, by the way, don't take that the wrong way. There are some things we ought to keep narrow. Ephesians 5.11 says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. There are some things we ought just not let in. 
We are to be, uh, fellowship goes very closely with separation. It is saying this is what I am gathering around. These are my doctrine. These are my people that, that believe the same as I do. And so I will fellowship with them. So fellowship provides communion. Number two, fellowship that proves complementary. Is that in the New Testament? Is that something that God has carried through in our lives and he hopes for us? Absolutely. Turn to 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Fellowship that proves complementary. It is interesting that for God to create someone who was perfectly suited for Adam, listen to this, he took her from his body. Took her from his body. Somebody said, why, why did, couldn't God make somebody else? He absolutely could, but he's letting us know she's the same DNA. You know, there's, he's not the same as the animals. She is not the same as the animals. She came from Adam. Do you know what the Bible calls the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? A body. A body. And notice what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verses 1 through 11, we see that the Bible talks about the Spirit of God and, and how Jesus uh, gave us these gifts to be used for his glory. But look at verse 12. We don't have time to read it all. Verse 12 says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have made all and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member but many if the foot shall say because I am not the hand I am not of the body it is therefore is it therefore not of the body now let me stop there for a moment and let me help you understand those first few verses we we see first of all that fellowship we're talking about fellowship being complementary we see first of all there has to be an introduction there has to be an introduction notice verse 12 for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Listen, for by one spirit are we all baptized in one body. So how do I become part of that body? You have to be born again. The songwriter put it this way, born of the spirit with life from above. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The moment you got saved, God took you by his spirit and placed you into the body of Christ and you became a member of this wonderful body and that gives you fellowship. And so we have to be introduced to that. And then friends, let me just share that very quickly with you today. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no man comes to the Father but by me. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must come through Jesus Christ to be saved. Now notice what he says. Next about this, we see fellowship through introduction, but we also see fellowship through inclusion. Verse 15, and this is important. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Can I, can I say this? No member is inferior Here's the ear feeling bad because he's not the eye. Here's the foot feeling bad because he's not the hand. Now, so often we see that in our local churches, don't we? We see people that just sit and say, well, I just don't feel like I have anything to give. I have nothing to offer. I, I just feel like I, uh, that I'm missing something. And this, this person over here has a, a better gift or a better talent. 
I want you to notice that everything, every part of the body is necessary. And notice how as he continues with this passage of scripture, he says in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. There is no part that is inferior, and there is no part that is more important. We are all part of the body. Now notice what he says, verse 8 and 19. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members fan turned on yet but not one body and the eye cannot say unto the hand i have no need of thee nor again the head to the feet i have no need of you nobody's inferior nobody's more important verse 22 nay not much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary you see what do i do when somebody's discouraged and they think they're not valuable and god doesn't have a purpose for them here's what you do verse 23 And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Let me ask you this. How many of you thought about your pinky toe this morning? Anybody? Do you know when you think about your pinky toe? When you stub it in the middle of the night. That's, that's when you think about it. But do you know what your pinky toe will do to you when you stub it? It'll cause your whole body to limp. It'll throw everything out of whack. Think about that. And sometimes I don't like comparisons because I hear preachers make comparisons. I think, well, they'll, they'll talk about some spiritual thing. They say, well, it's just like riding a bike. No, it's not. What are you talking about? Bible doesn't say that. We make these comparisons, but this is a comparison the Bible makes. He says we're to be like a body. And somebody here is saying, "Well, I, you don't, you don't understand, preacher. I'm not, I'm not important. I'm not a, I'm not a mouth for God. I'm not an ear or an eye, and I'm not, not hands. I'm a pinky toe." I'll tell you what, when you, when, when you're not, when you're not walking right, you cause the whole body to be out of joint. You'll feel it. You'll know it. There's nobody that is inferior, and there's nobody of greater importance. Oh, there's people that do different roles, but everybody is important. Listen, let me say this morning, that is what our fellowship is based around, including everyone and helping them to feel a part of that body, encouraging, strengthening, exhorting, loving one another. That's the point of fellowship. We're to complement one another. I'm so glad that that when I when I'm up here and I and I think, oh, I, I need a boy, I need a song to go with that. Donna, I need you to sing this song or somebody else. It's not something I'm going to do. I need somebody that can climb up on the roof and fix that air conditioning unit when the fan comes on and turns my pages in the middle of a sermon. Kevin, that's your job, man. You're you're ahead of BCL electrical, get up on that roof and fix. Hey, everything's important. Everybody has a part to play. And that's what our fellowship is based around, that we are all complementary one to another. Well, this is the last thing we talked about from the book of Genesis. Eve was fellowship that provided communion. She was fellowship that proved complementary. 
And she was fellowship that provided a co-laborer. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're just going to go forward a few pages from 1 Corinthians. I like to, boy, I'm hearing a lot of pages turn today. That's awesome. You know, in this day of digital, we have so many that we don't hear that too often anymore. I just heard somebody the other day say, here's why I like a Bible over digital. And I, I mean, it's a preference, I understand. He said, because when I have my Bible open, there's nothing popping up. There's no emails, there's no text distracting me from the Word of God. I thought that was a pretty good thought anyway. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Look back in verse 1, sorry. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. That word forbearing means to hold up. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. There's that word body again. Even as you're called in the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's how we get into the body. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But in every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high he led captive, captivity captive and gave gifts Unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up above all heavens, and that he might fulfill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, listen, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We're talking about fellowship that'll provide co-laborers. And notice what he says here in verse 12. There was three reasons that this body was assembled and God would give to them teachers and evangelists and things. Here's number one, that the saints might be complete. I hope you understand that when we get up and open up the word of God, it's not just to give a 30-minute you know, concourse or something that we can just say, hey, we, we opened the Bible, we preached today, and we had a lot of fun singing. No, that's not the point. The point is spiritual growth. To help us to learn the word of God, that the spirit of God may take it and apply it to our lives, and we will grow. And so he says that the saints might be complete, or in the words of the scripture, he says, for the perfecting of the saints. The perfecting of the saints. We've never met anybody perfect. But the word perfect means complete. Complete. And so that's what the word of God is to do in our lives. And so fellowship provides co-laborers. Here's the second thing, that our service might be continued. Notice what he says next, the work of the ministry. Understand this, a church of 50 people has a job to do. A church of 500 people also has a job to do. But the church of 500 people probably has more resources. The greater the fellowship, or the, and when I say greater, I mean larger in size. I'm not talking about importance or one church is better than another. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there's more resources and ability to do things, and we are to encourage people to get involved. That's, that's what the preachers and the teachers' job were, is to say, here, I'm laying out a vision. Here's the jobs we're going to do. Now let's get involved, and let's see the cause of Christ go forward. It provides co-laborers in ministry. You know, it's interesting Sometimes you see these, these places where, uh, you know, they, they'll change a staff member or somebody will move on and take a church somewhere else or whatever. And the very next week they have somebody stepping in. And I'm thinking, boy, in Canada it's so hard to find laborers. 
But these places just seem to pull them from everywhere and quality people. And hey, listen, why couldn't we just pull you right out of the pew? Everybody's ducking, hiding. Why, why, couldn't, why couldn't we get to the point where we say, hey, uh, somebody, come lead that song? Uh, we try to choose based on giftedness, right? Somebody, maybe it's in the choir, or somebody you know can lead a song. Hey, so and so, come and give a devotion. I'm just saying, this is the church's workforce. We are co laborers. Sometimes we look up here and say, that's, that's the people that are supposed to be working. No, no, no. This is the workforce. The pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, all those in Ephesians chapter 4 were to encourage these people to serve. Let me ask you, what are you doing for the Lord? We talked earlier about things opening up. You know what that means? We need more laborers. We need help. Let me say this. Some of the best fellowship you'll ever get is rolling up your sleeves and working alongside somebody. That's, that's some of the best time in ministry. You say, well, is there, is there things to do? Is there things to do? This building's 40 years old. There's always things to do. There's things to fix. There's places that need raking. There's uh, grass to cut in the summer. There's, and, and whenever we cut the grass, there's a lawnmower to fix. It's just there's always something to do. And here's what I know about God. There's something to do that fits your gift. He, he can give you that gift just to put it on a shelf and never use it. How many of you got a, a, a junk drawer at home? Everybody have a junk drawer? Is it full of things that you thought somebody gave you and you could use and you'll never use it again? I, sometimes you see those commercials on TV and, and, and it'll be just, just for three payments, a $29.99, I say to my wife, there'll be 100 of them at yard sales next year for 15 bucks. Nobody wants that thing. But because it's three easy payments, we've got to have it. There's no such thing as a gift that God has given you that cannot be used for his glory. I'm saying, we tie all this together, I, I don't care if you're a little toe, you're valuable. It doesn't matter. God can use you. You are to be complementary in this fellowship, but we are to be co-laborers in this fellowship. It's important. So we see in this passage that the saints might be complete, that service might be continued, and that strengthening might be consistent. He says that we might edify the edifying of the body of Christ. There is fellowship in service. Frank, can I tell you this? You were created for fellowship. I understand sometimes the desire to say, I just wanna I just wanna close the door and grab a good book, and I don't want to be bothered with people. Have you ever felt like that? I'm, I'm sure you have, you all have, right? How many of you ever said this? I just need some me time. Be careful when you say that. That's very inward. I understand the time to, to get alone. Listen, get alone and pray. Read your Bible. Talk to God. That, that's important. But that is not what you were created for. It is not good for man to be alone. You were created for fellowship. 
And as our fellowship grows, we become complementary one to another and we are co-laborers together and we do so much more for the cause of Christ together than we do apart. Here's my challenge. I want to challenge every connection group, every connection group leader. Plan some fellowships for your class. Have a barbecue. Not, maybe not today, but it's going to be 14 degrees on Thursday. By the end of the month, we're going to be having some nice weather, it looks like. Plan, plan some fellowships. Your people need it. A lot of them have been holed up for two years. Can I encourage you to do this? Extend some fellowship. We have some shut-ins. Some of them were not shut-ins two years ago. They need your fellowship. They need you to pop by, take a coffee over, make a phone call. They need you to do that. Let me encourage you this. When your connection group leader plans a fellowship, go to the fellowship. Go. I look at our church calendar and I say, I can't imagine anybody saying, I don't get enough fellowship. It's full. It's full. Somebody, somebody said to my wife, and, and um, how, many, how many of you got wives that will say stuff to you they wouldn't dare say out loud? Um, somebody, somebody came and said something to me with the door and and as they're going out, Ida said to me, she goes, well, we had prayer meeting last night. They weren't there. Hmm. I said, I'll let you preach sometime. There's prayer three or four times a week. There's outreach. There's connection group fellowships. There's Sunday. Go to Sunday school. Go to Sunday school. I'm saying you were created for fellowship. Don't shut yourself off because it gets easier. And you'll go into a dark place. This is not a scripture verse, but it is a good principle. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. And when you're all alone, you're susceptible to the Satan's attack. Fellowship is good. It is not good for man to be alone. I was in high school when Colleen Wilson went home to be with the Lord. Larry and Colleen had helped in our teen group for years. And I remember going on a teen retreat. And the fellow that was preaching the teen retreat specialized in a couple of areas. He preached to teens a lot, but he also did marriage seminars. And he had a couple books he'd written. Brother Wilson picked up one of those books and he's looking at it. He said, I think I'm going to get that. And I said, oh, yeah? And he says, I understand better now than ever. It is not good for a man to be alone. He was lonely. He'll, he'll tell you that. I'm not trying to embarrass him or anything, and they're probably watching this morning. And he'd already caught Spring's eye or the other way around. I'm not sure. He says, I just want to see what this fella thinks about marriage. This is what he said. I want to see what this fella thinks about marriage. He says, I know what I think about it. It is not good for a man to be alone. We were created for fellowship. That's God's purpose in your life. If I can encourage you, get out to Sunday school. Get out to some fellowships. Be a person that offers fellowship to somebody else.
They need it. And if somebody says, well, I'm not not one of those comely parts, that's our job to go make them feel that way. That's our job. There are so many opportunities. We must take advantage of them. Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts. Lord, just burden my heart today about all these things that are opening up and how important it is that we take part in them. Lord, some nights we get home from work and we're tired and we don't want to go and Lord, I know I've been there, but I'm always glad when I do. There's always somebody that will encourage me and help me. Father, just speak to our hearts and take this scripture today and help us just to just have a little bit clearer picture that, that fellowship is not just something we do. It's something we were created for. Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand with our heads by and our eyes closed. Just consider what God is speaking to your heart. Let, let me say something this morning. I don't believe for a moment that Adam was less spiritual because he needed the fellowship of Eve. You would think that he had everything he needed. But that's not what happened. He was not less spiritual. He was not carnal. God created him that way. He created us to be interdependent upon one another, to love one another, to exhort one another, to edify one another, to encourage one another. We cannot do that if we walk alone. 